Hey, it's Andy, and as promised, another week, another evergreen episode. This time, trying not to embarrass myself by reposting uh, one of our earliest episodes where my microphone and internet quality were not as high as they are today. As uh, a couple people mentioned, I'd forgotten how rough things were five years ago. So something from a year or two ago where Drew and I spent some time before the baseball season talking to a pretty smart cat in Frank Brank, talking some baseball modeling, going over some advanced stats and generally just picking his brain about the topic. So I thought it'd be good timing for uh, a rehash of this one as the NBA and NHL look like they're just about over and it's not quite NFL season yet. So maybe something to, you know, assuage your evergreen and modeling and thought exercise needs. Maybe inspire you to do a little baseball modeling here over the course of the next few months as we drudge our way through the doldrums of the summer. So without further ado, episode 350 uh, debuted a couple years ago with Frank Brank, baseball modeling. Thanks, guys. Welcome to the acclaimed podcast, The Deep Dive, featuring your esteemed hosts, Andy Monitor and Drew Dinzik, powered by Betsperts. Welcome to the Deep Dive, Andy. March is finally over. Um, I am not going to be sad to see this month go. March 2021 will go down as the reddest PL I've had in my all of my years sports betting. Um, the NBA just absolutely skull left me this month, um, and. It's not like I've been doing anything, you know, good, otherwise degenerate gambling on shit coins. So uh, it's been a bad month. And I, yeah, it's extremely, I've, I've been I'm extremely happy to see it go. Usher in same, April. Same. And with that, we bring in not just the beautiful weather, the beautiful spring weather. It actually feels like summer here uh, in Southern California. It's pr- about 85 oh, out. It's like, 80, it's like 85 and like dry heat out today. Um, going to, after this is done, might go down, walk, take a little walk down by the beach. You know, it's going to get start, start to really soak in the, uh, the late evenings, which are starting to, to come around here. But with April, the good weather, the, the, um, you know, the, the, the spring flowers, uh, and of course, baseball, we did a baseball pod last yeah. week. It was super fun. I think Andy, was inspired to spend his entire weekend where he wasn't shrimp boiling, uh, you know, going through the annals to uh, to dig up data and to start handicapping baseball a little bit more aggressively. Um, I don't blame you. It's uh, it. I've been thinking about it too, uh, and I don't expect to win, but I sure as heck think it would be fun uh, to kind of get back involved in the sport of baseball from a betting standpoint. Uh, and so, with that, we decide bring in a guy that knows an encyclopedia of knowledge about betting baseball more than I know by a long shot. Um, and, you know, he's been doing this. This is, I'm going to just going to guess off the top of my head. This is Frank's 10th year betting baseball daily. Uh, and I also, you know, maybe golf has kind of taken over as something you care more about from a betting perspective, but I'm going to guess baseball is still your, your, your true love. 
you know, you're, you, you, you popped your cherry kind of getting into the, uh, the advanced playing space, betting baseball. Is all this true, Frank? Yeah, I would say maybe a little less than 10 years, seven or eight years. Um, but let's round, let's round up, but it is 12 will never be solved. It's the ultimate individual team game. You know, it's not a team sport and that makes it great from a stat perspective. What better than head to head sport? Uh, you know, that's just surrounded by nine guys who take their turn going through a lineup. It is a fascinating thing. And, and every year it gets a little bit tougher and every year there's new numbers coming out and new metrics coming out and you have to sort through the weeds and it's, it's not easy, I'll tell you that, but you know how the grind is. I was similar to you, Drew, as basketball NBA has been a nightmare for me. This is like the first year in three or four years where I don't know what to do. I'm at a loss, and like you said, I'm not doing anything different. It's just I think with a lot of these COVID seasons are getting a little bit more random. Mm. Yeah, that's it's it wasn't a good month for anybody I know, really. <laughs> like, I was, I was, about to, I was going to say, like, yeah, I think my mic's on. You can't hear me? I can sound as good as Frank. Oh, are you, are you, just, are you just effing with me now? No, who, who knows? Like I had trouble. With, I had trouble with the mic yesterday. Let's look. Oh, it's coming in through the camera again. It always yeah. does. All right, like, let's switch back to the. Oh, oh we want to hear your. We want to hear your golden pipes, my man. All right, we bought these good microphones. <laughs> Reed, Reed bought these good microphones. Ooh, We're gonna use. Them. Listen to that. Sound Woo. a little better. Anyway, I, I've been. I've been for the most part just live betting through March through this tournament. A lot of that. It went okay, except for UCLA games. <laughs> I'm like, all right, Alabama's going to come back, right? Alabama, or at least Alabama's second half. Like, basically, I, I looked at it, I'm like, I had I had the under in that game, too, in a few live spots. I'm like, man, maybe I wish they would have missed that three-pointer because the second <laughs> half would have come through. Like, Because I, I had some money line, too, and I got greedy. I'm like, all right, motherfuckers. We're going to get the whole enchilada. They're going to win outright. I had them in a draw. I would have got more money as they advanced. I think they would have ended up going further um, in, you know, possibly even into the final four. I would have got extra money for that. None of that came true. Shit my bracket. So, like, suck suck at UCLA. You're, you're an L.A. guy, but you're not really. You you swam for Duke. I went to UCLA, dude. That's fair. I forgot <laughs> you did some grad school there. And yeah, either way, suck at UCLA. And, yeah, I'm on to baseball. We And this was just something we joked about in the morning uh, with Alex on Broadbag Vets was, I mean, actually, it was a comment in the chat. And we love you guys in the chat. You keep it spicy. But somebody said, hey, Andy, college basketball, there's not many games left. What are you going to bet now? And like in the summer, I, you know, I dick around with golf. I do a little tennis. And I said, oh, man, I have a daily show. I got to talk about something. (laughs) And I said, and I just wrote, I had a list. I I should find this list. I wrote down some stuff that wasn't going to happen. F1, (laughs) esports. Just when I make a list, when I make a list, I make, I exhaust every option when I make a list. And I, I kind of landed on baseball. And it's something we mentioned. And that, that's why, you know, I have been picking Frank's brain. It's why we brought him on today. It's something we mentioned in almost every podcast that we talk about, Evergreen Style, when we start talking about modeling, when you start talking about getting into a new sport, we talk about breaking in some stuff. We say, hey, maybe you're not going to beat NBA sides or NFL sides. But maybe you can pick on some of these derivatives. Maybe you can pick on a prop. Find something that has the the most anybody in their mind could possibly bet on something's like two hundred and fifty dollars. 
go beat that market first. Start with that. And that's a hundred percent where I'm at. I'm not going to try to, and not, not only that, like if you are betting and MLB seriously, a lot of people are getting into overnight lines. That's not super conducive for a noon show. <laughs> like, Hey, here's what I bet last night. Like, you want to talk about that? If it moved way against me or way for me. So I am, I am kind of looking at props and derivatives and I started to scrape some information and I started to get, you know, just picking Frank's brain about these, you know, everybody knows about the, you know, the money ball shit and the, you know, the Joe Pita book and all that, how we've come a long way from, and bad. it's funny how there's some awards that are still, man, he, that's a 20 win pitcher. <laughs> like, yeah. It's yeah. like a sacks are a quarterback stat and wins are not a pitching stat. So as I dug and dug and dug, um, I started getting into some of these stats and it started freaking me out. So I started picking Frank's brain and I had some interesting answers from him. Well, let's give Frank a better introduction here. We didn't really welcome on onto the deep dive for the first time. We've both done enough videos with Frank. I feel like it, it slipped my mind. We've never actually had you as a guest on the deep dive. And that is, that is on us. Uh, to get to be 350 episodes in and be welcoming you for the first time, I feels like is a mistake. Um, but uh, and so we'll we'll frame this a little better. Frank, of course, famously uh, an Allegheny College pitcher from 2010 to 2013, famously. So I guess it wasn't fair for me to assume you've been betting baseball for 10 years because everybody knows if you're a baseball player, you don't bet baseball. Like everybody knows that. So of course, you you retire, your career comes to a, to a glorious end. Uh, you pick uh, up the, screeching uh, halt. <laughs> you, pick up the, you pick up the Game hat, six. put on the gambling hat, uh, and you start to get serious about this. But um, no, Frank, you can find him at real Frank Frank on Twitter. Uh, got you know, a solid old school, old school follow. Uh, I think I, I, I've as long as I've been on, I've been following you, and I love your love your content. And uh, you know, I, I, w- I think it would be. Um, It'd be worth talking a little bit about how, you know, you, you got started in baseball. When I think about my journey as a, kind of a football handicapper, uh, the early days were bleak. They were bad. I w- I'm embarrassed almost to even really reflect on them. Um, did you have sort of a similar growth as you kind of got into baseball betting or did you just hit the ground running like, you know what, I can build statistical models. Like, let's get this. Let's get let's get it on. I mean, baseball is the first thing you're going to try. I went to school for statistics. You get a math major out of Ganey. There's only like 17 of us. Uh, you get a math major for, for, from Allegheny, uh, but you can emphasize this, you know, a spot. So I was going to be an actuary and uh, moved to Knoxville chasing a girl that I now married, and they didn't have actuary jobs there. They're apparently only in Nashville. So uh, sports betting was sort of my statistical getaway from my, my eventual job there of like, you know, air missions analysis for corporations which was just awful so <laughs> baseball is the first thing you're gonna try right i played baseball there's a lot of stats this was Moneyball, like central right like that sure. movie bringing a tear to my eye not because of the movie but because it was like wow look at these numbers in this game is just garbage uh you know it's the ultimate individual game like i said and you know it's it's it, it, thinking back about what i was doing back then just remembering like some of the spreadsheets that i built you know it was like i felt so good about it <laughs> and i was like man these oh, things yeah. are great this is going to go fantastic it didn't of course uh even back then these are efficient markets and they're more efficient now like andy said i i think the best route for anyone starting out doing this that's watching this and may be curious bet in the overnight market try to pay attention to the key stats some of the market still at least that open and then there are some of the early markets still revolves around the fact that 
pitcher wins are sort of a thing that people pay attention to and, and hot streaks and that sort of thing. Um, but hopefully we can set you straight today and get you kind of watching, you know, the, the right numbers to sort of monitor and pay attention to. Because we have leading indicators, you know, t- 10 years ago when the Moneyball thing started, when Fangraphs was just starting out. I remember finding it, you know, just through people talking on Twitter um, about it. And, you know, we have better leading indicators now that are take a third of the time of what, you know, uh, some other metrics did that we can get into eventually. But just remembering back some of the models that I was building then to now having my own fully functional projection system for every player in the league it's like the difference is is kind of astonishing uh but like you said uh i i got really lucky with hockey it was like one of the first like times that i actually built something that worked and i was like wow i'm actually winning a lot of money and that's where my following on twitter started and how we sort of started out i didn't watch a hockey the whole hockey game my entire life i just (laughs) searching statistics about it you know i love that it took me a little bit longer to this point um, but that's know. like me in tennis, man. I, the first sport I, I regularly won at was tennis. And, um, uh, I, I think I watched, I watched some slams, but I definitely know master, you know, no, definitely no 500 series clay tournaments in Eastern Europe, <laughs> you know, yeah. like I definitely, yeah. So yeah, it's, if you can, if was you can track down one of those though? databases though. Yeah. The, the getting one, right especially oh, after yeah. failing a few times because you go through this thing where you learn something you're like oh i'm gonna take this and model i think my first thing was learning about the poisson distrib- distribution you're like oh well certainly i can i'll probably i can beat epl totals with this like that seems easy enough um betting at bovada <laughs> you know, like, yeah. just i remember because they had the most options so i was like oh man and my, my model told me like to take the zero zero tie prop in like every single match i'm like i'm sure this is working but like you know you 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 have that first one you you have that inkling in your head like oh i i think i i think i can do this then you fall on your face just spectacularly but then after you know if you stick with it there's that one where it's like Oh shit! This is working. This has been working for a few months. This worked for a season. This is the best feeling in the world. Just seeing and you know, closing line value is not going to make a big appearance on this podcast. We'll touch on that uh, in other evergreen episodes again. But like when you start with a model or a, you know, however you want to call it, power rankings, or you and you combine that and marry that with learning about the market and the market timing. And you start to watch like 70%, 80% of your plays end up with positive line value where the market moves your way for the most part. My God, it's just like, it's that, it's like the 12 and 0 streak where you're like, you can't sleep because you're just giddy. That is a lot of fun. Um, I don't, I haven't had that with baseball yet because I don't understand <laughs> FIP. <Yeah. laughs> I guess here's a question on that, in that vein. Uh, is it if you know as you kind of level up and as you go from a guy that's playing overnights making numbers you know move you know trying to trying to get in uh, an early bet moving the market a little bit um to okay well i'm going to wait until limits go up i'm wait till circles are off here and um you know it's it's i'm going to miss out on some stuff but whatever like that's the cost of doing business um as you look back on sort of the phase 1 there is do you think that in general in baseball the line moves from an opener till circles come off are always in the right direction, yeah. mostly in the right direction? 
50-50? Not 50-50. Uh, it's, it's higher than average, but it's I don't think it's... Uh, I think there's smarter money in the openers than in, in two directions than you think. I think there's people that fake the numbers. Actually, I know sure. there's people that fake yeah. the numbers because yeah. it's so cheap and easy for them to fake the numbers or they suspect that this line is pretty egregious and we can wait, right? Like there's two sort of lines of thinking there. Um, I will say that usually uh, if there is a big enough edge, it doesn't get evaporated overnight. You know, you might have some smaller ones get evaporated overnight, but that the, the biggest movements sort of come in the morning and, you know, nine o'clock, nine thirty, ten 10 o'clock, because, what what happens at least in, in in other sports that I know well like hockey and some others is people see what accounts for betting what and then steam yeah. comes after what the steam was sometimes there is an option to fade just because of the steam chasers uh, and some of the bots chasing in some sharp money or whatever it is um, I don't you know I, I I don't tend to chase or try to fade big moves just because you know unless it's really bad or or maybe there was, <laughs> unless there was like a movement uh, in the morning and then someone gets announced out because a lot of the time that money doesn't really get reinvested against themselves. You know, they sure. sort of get out. Sometimes there's some lineup opportunities. So now I, 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 I try to stay away in just a general role in sports. Like if this number moves a lot, I had this happen to me in NBA like three times this year. I'm like, wow, that moved. I'm going to play this at noon. And then in like 30 minutes later, it's like, oh, AD's not playing, by the way. That happened to me. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's been happening a lot this year. Yeah, I'm like, uh, we'll get oh, we'll get into injuries and, and yeah. questions in a minute. But so, yeah, just, there's so many more. Well, there's just so much, so much more uncertainty, especially when you start getting into some of these teams. I mean, even in the last few years where it's like, oh, it, it wasn't a thing five years ago. Like, oh, they're doing a piggyback game. Oh, they're doing an opener like that. Yeah. That shit. What that shit wasn't shit. Like if a pitcher got scratched, he was legitimately hurt. And that was it. Like or, you know, he fell down a flight of stairs or something, something weird. But yeah, and, and the, the you know the fake out thing too. If anybody kind of missed that as you glossed over, like that's just the fact that limits are lower. It doesn't take a lot of money to bet in the right spots. You bet in the right spots that you know appear on the board that everybody's looking at and be like, oh, everybody's betting on the Mets. I'm gonna and then there's people that I mean that's all they do is chase that. The Mets get bet from minus one ten to minus one twenty. They have a bunch of outs where it's still minus 110. So they bet minus 110 at all their outs because they think they're smart, getting a better number than, you know, the the smart people ahead of them. And then, the, you know, more steam. It just begets more steam. Everything moves. All of a sudden, the Mets are minus 130. And then the next day, the people who bet them in the beginning go heavy on the Phillies the other side at 50,000 a pop because <laughs> right. that's what they really wanted. And they just, they let the market take care of it. But can you, that can was you, one of the big, can you tell when that's happening? Was, like, I guess that, that if, was, yeah, that was going to be if, my question. Yeah, if, like, if you're, if you're evaluating the market at like, you know, you're, you're morning, your time, you're getting up, you run your numbers, you've made, you made some guesstimates of uh, who's going to be available. Who's, you know, what, what the plan is. Um, you run your numbers, you, you see the market move. Can you tell, okay, these are some some of the early players who are moving the openers and they're largely using these indicators and I can tell why those move. This one moved and I have no clue why. That's got to be a fake. Well, yeah. I mean, there are times when that happens, right? But I, I, I betting it every day, even if you're not charting things or paying attention that much, you'll start to realize like, oh, someone fades this guy every night or every morning early on this guy doesn't so maybe it's a like i wrote dylan bundy all last year he was he kept getting listed at 
minus 180, minus 190 against the Rangers. And I'm like, these lines should be minus 220. Like we, I have a lot of good data on him. I, you know, he's trending in the right way. And we sort of saw it at the end of the previous season, the end of 2019. And for some reason, he wouldn't take money in the morning ever. ever. And I knew that the money was coming. It would just be like at two o'clock. So I don't know what, you know, I don't know what the reason is for all of it, but a lot of the time there is specifically, you know, a group or two that will only play after lineups, which is, in my opinion, kind of stupid, but <laughs> I could not agree with you more. And they make money doing it. So I, you know, I, I can't say this completely. Now I just think they're probably leaving money on the table to maybe, you know, protect themselves a little bit, but um, no, I, I, there are times where you're like, how the hell is this happening? That's mostly early in the season, but there's certain players and pitchers and it, it's mostly just starter. Um, you know, the starters have a higher variance and, and, and a, a quicker, reasonable way to say like, oh, this guy's improved over his last five starts. Whereas a, a hitter, you wouldn't say that he's gotten extremely better or worse over five games. Like we kind of know what the hitters are. It's really trying to pick out yeah. the pitcher. So it's, it, it's weird how that sample size is so like, it's actually, you know, it is a bigger sample size. I guess a pitcher pitches every pitch while right. while he's out on, you know, during his outing, whereas a batter is only four four times. But it's funny how that that sample size is completely, you know, it's it, even the difference, the ratio of you know four at bats compared to going out there and throwing ninety pitches. It's still it's way way you know taken into account in a bigger sense, and it gets you thinking about just like what a different market this is. I think like Drew and I had this conversation, maybe probably with Suma too. Like there was somebody fading the, the, or backing the Falcons. Was it backing the Falcons? Like every week for a couple weeks. Sure. I mean, and, and you would just see it like no matter what the number would open at, they were bound and determined that the Falcons numbers were opening wrong. And, you know, in something like that, you know, it's really noticeable, but, this is so weird. It's not like you have 30 teams and you follow all their markets. You have 30 teams times X amount of starting pitchers. You got to follow the markets on essentially, I mean, it's like 150 teams really. Plus, you know, the, the scattered ass that they throw in there for, Oh, this guy's coming in for a spot start and the bullshit other stuff. Like I said, with the piggyback and opener games, but like you, and that that's something, you know, I've, when I've talked baseball with you, you're always talking about that where, uh, you know, this is my guy. I, I value this pitcher more than the market right now. And if you're right, you're going to be right. And if you're wrong, you can only be wrong so long before you got to hop off that train. It's a lot more to pay attention to market wise. I'm going to do this again this year. I know I already looked at my rankings. I'm like, I'm so screwed here. I like the Reds did this to me last year. They had the lowest. So we can get into some stats. Up, so this is a good example. We played what sixty games last year. I probably bet the Reds like twenty five times, right? Like because I like some of their starters. I think their hitters are undervalued in my projection system, sort of favoring them. Maybe maybe the the uh, you know the monitors in in Cincinnati are a little bit hot or something. I don't know what's going on, um, but I bet them a lot, and they didn't do well for me at all. I lost a lot of money betting the Reds, uh, particularly a handful of starters for them. But if you if you sort of back up and look at it, they had the lowest BABIP in baseball, which is batting average on balls in play. So the average would typically be around, conveniently be around 300, which is about what you would expect. Now guys that hit the ball harder or guys that are really fast will put more balls in play. They'll get the first more often, right? Like that makes sense, right? They'll, they'll reach base because they're hitting the ball harder. Guys that hit a lot of tappers, a lot of ground balls will maybe have a lower BABIP. But the general rule is if you have someone that's, or a team or a player or a pitcher that's, 
extremely, you know, outrunning that pace, uh, unless they're doing something extreme, like uh, Joey Gallo, for example, hits a ton of fly balls. So he's going to have a low Babbitt because a lot of those balls are going to get caught and home runs don't count in Babbitt. So, cause they're not in play, they're out of play. So you start to look at him for, as a situation where he, you know, there could be a situation where he has a super low Babbitt in case, in fact, most of the time he's going to have a super low Babbitt. So, but you look at the Reds, they had like the second worst Babbitt in team history. Now the smaller sample can lead to that, but I bet a lot of those games where they're hitting a yeah, lot of did. hard and they're not getting the rewards. So were they bad bets? Because I would make the argument that they weren't, they were just unlucky. It's sort of like every time I bet on, you know, team X in the NBA, they don't make any three pointers or, you know, I bet on Alabama against UCLA and they shot 11 for 25 from three and lost or from the free throw line and lost in overtime. Right. So that's sort of the way to look at it is like, you need to, you need to move with the market, but the market may not move with the team because they're losing it. Like th- that still exists, right? Like, it's not like, Oh, the Dodgers are 50 and 50. They're getting respected as the same as a hundred win team. Well, they might be a hundred win team still. They just, baseball is really random and it, it just hasn't really broken their way. And that sort of happened over the red 60 games last year, where I would make an argument having looking back on the season, like, I really regret those bets, but I probably shouldn't, right? Okay, so that's yeah. a great segue because I had this on my list of things to ask you about. Um, yeah. Obviously, in the when we're betting the NFL, like the sample size is small, and that yeah. comes with a pro, you know there's 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 problems with that, but at the same time, you know you're not ever going to lose you know twenty out of twenty five games, <laughs> you know like it's just it just doesn't happen. But with Plus, baseball, if you're making a if you're making a thousand baseball bets in a season, like yeah you could lose 20 out of 25 and be, you know, and, and it doesn't really reflect what your edge is, especially if, you know, you're, you're going through a part of the season where you're seeing value on the dogs, you're getting line value. They're just not, you know, getting it done like that. That absolutely happens. The ups and downs are real. Um, what's your process like on sort of a daily basis, just kind of handling the evaluate the box score, you know, what, you know, what happened last night was, was this fluky? Did I miss something like, and, and then how do you integrate that back into your, uh, you know, your data, your, your quantitative handicap? Like, do you specifically say, okay, well, we're going to take the data out. That's, that's, that, that's completely divorced from the final score and plug that into the next round of the model and keep going. Or do you, you know, try to specifically, uh, kind of fine tune, make adjustments along the way? Yeah, so pick it real quick, Frank, too, because that was I had like the exact same question with a little bit more pitching focus. Like when we talked to Adam last week, and I've tried to take in some baseball content, I've seen a lot of people getting after this, like the, the stats, wherever they're getting these from, of like, here's what this pitcher's throwing right now. Here's this percentage of sliders, this percentage of splitters. And like, you know, that the same, like the same thing, except more pitcher focus. Like, is that a big part of it? It's like, you know, I, cause you can look at a box score and man, like hitting the ball can be kind of random, but if you can look at like, you know, what, what a pitcher, like, is this pitcher making a marked change to what I projected him to be doing with his pitch selection with, you know, just maybe his, his, his best pitch, it's supposed to be his best pitch and it's just getting teed off on right now. And is that some, is there some randomness to that over a real small sample? Yeah. So you're kind of referring to like the stat cast data, I guess, Yeah. Um, where that's sort of the new thing. And I, I do think that's the proper way we've, we've used these projection systems uh, like zips and steamer that basically 
are like a weighted average over so many games and then they take it they have a a stat called steamer really yeah (laughs) okay okay doing elections actually i think think that sounds about right (laughs) okay yeah i i'm it may have been something else but i think they started out doing polling data but I mean, you know how it is, Drew. Like, if you can, if you can kind of predict things, it's sort of the same process. And whether you're doing elections, and you know, if if you can, if you have the right data, a good data scientist can sort of put it together and figure it out, at least to some degree. But a lot of these traditional, um, I don't want to speak to all of them because I don't know what all of them do. But a lot of the traditional ones, like Steamer and Zips, uh, they, they, they sort of take more of a weighted average over the last so many years, factor in some recent data, and then. <laughs> and then uh and then say okay this guy's how old okay he's gonna regress so x percent right and yeah. they reviews that and that was sort of the way like okay everyone's gonna use steamer and this is what the market's gonna be and the market was really tight and steamer was the best and that's what we were gonna use um some of the, a lot of people would start averaging them and they called it depth charts and i don't know why the reason for that but steamer and zips were the main ones and then they went the depth charts was just an average of the two and obviously okay well you, if you know math well enough, you, any, you have any two educated people and you average their opinions together or three opinions or 10 opinions, the, the more you use, the better the crowdsource is and the, yeah. you know, the, the better the prediction is. That's what the closing line is, by the way, if you're just listening to this for the first time, that's an average of all of the smart people. Anyway. Right. Yeah. And it doesn't mean that one is right or wrong in a given day, but you know, over the long period, right. That's what the closing line is. So the Statcast data is the new thing, and this has been going on for probably three years. And and the data hasn't changed, but the way that I've perceived it, and and to answer your question, Andy, um, the way that you sort of have to work is to be more reactive because the numbers are very very stable very quickly. So what I mean by stable is that uh, maybe in the past it would take uh, half a season for FIP to be predictive or half a season for it to be any inclination of what the guy is. And by FIP is just an ERA predictor. And that was sort of the king, the, you know, the king shit of the, all uh, statistics for baseball for, for pitchers. This is this guy's FIP. This is what his ERA is going to trend to no matter what it looks like right now. And it's true. And all the beauty of baseball statistics and what Fangraphs has done is it has put in this uh standard for baseball stats that are very simple to understand because the names are very technical, right? Fielding independent pitching or expected fielding independent pitching, or like, what does that mean? Right. If I just said that it would be hard to decide, but all it did was look at a pitcher's home run rate, his strikeout rate and his walk rate and said, this is his ERA. That's beautiful from a stat side when it's predictive and it works. And you're like, this is so easy. Um, A new one just came out. This I just reading about it last week called, called striked with called strikes whiffs which is they just sorting it to csw but that's literally what it is how often a guy gets a called strike how often does someone swing and miss at a pitch and it predicts strikeout rate really well you yeah. know and it seems so simple but it's like it's such an easy stat to understand I might have to scrub that part from the podcast but go ahead <clears throat> you can just throw it into the you can just throw it in and use it right like these are all publicly available very simple stats to put into you know your model or however about you even if you're just evaluating in your head to say okay these are predictive and useful so my projection system simply very simply uses the stat cast data that andy talks about where we look at exit velocity and launch angle and you can get very detailed information very quickly as to like how hard is this guy getting hit how often is he getting hit hard? 
and what angle is the ball coming off the bat at because someone that gets hit hard and gives up a lot of fly balls is going to give up a lot of home runs. So yeah, you can sort of is, figure that out, right? Is a lot of that stuff that <clears throat> you say like, you know, this is so predictive of, uh, you just said that, that whatever C, CWC, whatever it was, was pretty predictive of strikeouts. And then your your FIP, your ex-FIP was pretty predictive of, you know, over a big sample of a pitcher's ERA. Is it because of the sample? Like you just get such a fat, like how many, how many starts does like, if a guy doesn't get hurt, they don't rest him late. What, what are you saying? Like 30 starts a year? Yeah. The 30 starts is like the benchmark for 30 starts. We'll yeah, I, I don't like how many pitches yeah. does a guy on average like if a guy doesn't suck like on average like 80 23 oh yeah like 80, 80 and yeah. 2300 pitches a year or something okay like that. that's the number i was at so yeah the fact that a guy throws like 2300 times yeah like, it, it does it just such a decent size sample for one person you know the it, 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 that's what sucks about like some of the it sucks about football is you know so, like a, a receiver isn't going to get the ball thrown to them 2300 times <laughs> Like they're, they're, they're right. Or, or, or like yeah. over their career, they're not. Yeah. Yeah. But the yeah. randomness in baseball is much higher. So we like, we need to be careful in that, like, you know, you can, I, I don't, I don't know enough about like NFL stats to be honest, but I, I would imagine that a, a full season of like Aaron Rodgers passes are pretty good indication of like how good he is. Whereas baseball, at least for some of the stats like Babbitt, it's just like, it, you know, it's going to regress, but like, it, it takes a long time for that to work out sometimes. Yeah. I and that's you. what, what the stat cast data is nice is that we can look at a guy's spin rate on his fastball and be like, okay, this pitch is really going to ride or it's really going to break. Or, you know, the slider is at you know, X RPM. So we know that it's going to be a good pitch if he can throw it anywhere near the strike zone. But the one thing that it sort of, I think we get lost in the weeds on a little bit is, sort of like a guy like Mitch Keller who gets a lot, he's a, he's a Pirates guy. So I pay attention to, to, to some of his stuff more and he's a prospect. He throws like really high spin rate pitches and doesn't walk that many people, but a high percentage of them are in the middle of the plate. So you look at someone like that and you're like, he's going to be really good. But if he keeps throwing pitches down the middle, he's going to keep giving up home runs. I don't care what the spin rate is, right? Like it doesn't really matter if the fastball, a two, one fastball goes down the middle a major league baseball hitter is going to hit that over the fence, like a lot yeah. too high of a percentage. So people are like, oh, why does Mitch Keller suck? And it's like, well, he gets hit really fucking hard. I think Drew Drew could probably speak to this a little because it's, you know, well, I'm, I mean, college basketball too, but, you know, you talk about the regression of something when you're seeing an outlier on a pitcher, on a team, on a pitcher versus a certain type of hitter. And it's like the NBA or college basketball thing where a team shoots like 70% from three for the first half. And, you know, like, oh, this this has to regress. Well, it does, but it doesn't have to regress in the next 24 or 20 minutes. It, yeah, in, to, yeah, in reality, you know, the it, most likely thing that's going to happen is that they're going to, you know, play to their average. They're not going to play below it. That's not – there's yeah. not a makeup. There's not a makeup. You can't ever look in a forward sense and expect that's that. A that's such yeah. a good point. I think yeah. people get lost on people is that – uh, okay, they're going to be dog shit pretty soon. It's like, no. <laughs> Here comes the regression. They're going to start yeah. sucking. I know it. They have to. They've been too good. Um, That's not how it works, right? Yeah. If they shoot an infinite amount of three-pointers, they're going to make 45% yeah. of them, not 70%. Let's let's dial in on this more, a little bit more specifically and get in. Because I'm not – I get the sense that you're macro in general. Do you ever get micro when it comes to a given player – 
and there are certain situational factors like you're going to you're probably predicting a range of outcomes i'm guessing for every player and you're combining them all in a in a statistically rigorous way to get your your price right your median can be your season long median it can be some you know median that's based on the last five times out you know decaying you know or or like last 20 times but we're going to upweight the last five and the last 10 and you know you're, you're going to time decay it uh, so yeah. you can kind of catch some some guys heating up cooling off sort of uh you know improving you know you, you can you can get that directly out of the data you don't have to be reading every blog and, and going through the stat cast yeah. one by yeah. one to see what yeah. guys are doing you can right. you can do that in other ways um right that's that's for sure gonna affect your median projection but then do you ever get even more micro where you're like okay um this guy is giving up a lot of hard hits and oh what do you know he is playing now in a weather environment that is not great like if he's gonna have a 16th percentile performance this is probably the spot right and or uh you know this guy he's been you know he's he, he's um uh he's been throwing the ball well he's not getting He's not getting the strike calls. He's he's oh all of a sudden they're pairing him with a pitcher who is I mean a catcher who's especially good at pitch framing. This is the time he's going to perform at the ninety fifth percentile level. Like, are you ever making micro adjustments like that on a player level basis before you integrate it into your price? And and do you think like, I mean, those those angles are fragile. You know, somebody right. figures out about weather like right. that gets wiped out pretty quick. Somebody figures the out about pitch this, framing that gets wiped yeah. out pretty quick. The answer to this should be behind a paywall. Like we should almost take a five second pause so I can like clip this and hide it. Well, you brought up three things there that are probably worth worth touching on is that over the years, because the data has been very predictive, but you, you know, if I'm looking at some older statistics and it feels weird to say it's older statistics like FIP, uh, who a lot of people watching this are probably confused with what I'm talking about, but FIP, like I said earlier, rewind and watch it, home runs, strikeouts, walks. It takes a while to stabilize and by a while, like half a season, whereas now you have to be super reactive because there's smart people out there watching the spin rates of every guy's breaking ball. Uh, Trevor Bauer said two years ago, oh, I could add 600 revs to my to my curveballs like Garrett Cole did. Like, you know, people are characters inside the Yankees for transferring Garrett Cole into what he is. And Trevor Bauer, who has a beef with, uh, Garrett Cole since they played at UCLA together uh, in were you know, the one, two there and got drafted first and third, he's kind of said like, oh, he must be cheating, right? Like he's putting my <laughs> in, which like probably 75% of the pitchers do. And Trevor Bauer said, oh, I could do that. And last year, Trevor Bauer pitched great despite having a pretty like average season, like average career for a number three draft pick pitcher. It was supposed to be really good. He had good and bad seasons in that mix for, for Cleveland. And he picked 600 revs up on his breaking ball. And everyone was like, okay, well, he must be cheating. right? <laughs> okay. Well, he told us he could do it. And now he did it. And now he has this big contract, you know, and he's pitching for the Dodgers and great. Um, but, it, you know, so there are people monitoring that and they're like, oh, well, Trevor Bauer got lit up in the first start and he, his spin rev, you know, his spin rate on his breaking ball went up 600 revs. So I don't really care what he's doing, but if it stays like that in his next yeah. start, I'm just going to keep betting him because no one's going to be able to discern that difference. But me, because I'm following along with this data. So you can get super micro, right? But there's also situations like Mitch Keller's where, you know, his spin rate is great and he looks incredible, but he keeps throwing pitches down the middle. So like you need to actually see it play out because sometimes a guy who has incredible stuff 
like Charlie Morton comes to mind who pitched for the Pirates and then was used to was good but not great and then went to the the Astros and they you know was amazing or whatever his spin rates and things were crazy but he couldn't control it like he kind of threw it everywhere and if anything the Astros took movement off of him and just said like hey your movement's already great uh let's calm it down a little bit so you can throw strikes and you know so you have to kind of you have to balance it and like be able to see like the the good example for this Drew is like uh, I won't do it if I'm winning. Like I kept betting, doing <laughs> great, and yes. like I have no like reason that. to go look. But that's like, the right answer. I bet Luis Castillo <laughs> over and over and over again last year, and I'm like I actually have his page pulled up right now. He was not giving up any hard hits. He wasn't giving up home runs. He's throwing a ton of strikes. He gets a ton of swing and misses. And guess what? He just had an unlucky year. You know, he had a 330 Babbitt, which you would his career number is 275. So you would expect that to come down by 60 points going forward, right? Like he just had a bad year. And I'm sitting there looking at it like I can't bet him again. I just bet his last five starts. He lost four of them. Like, what am I supposed to do? And on top of that, the Reds hitters were unlucky, you know. So it's like, but I'm not making bad bets. So, but there are times where you are, right? Like, and you have to like dive into it and be like, why am I betting? Like <clears throat> would be a good example i wasn't betting him but it would be a good example he went to the pirates completely changed what he was throwing his spin rates and things were terrible and he got hit hard and he was walking more people so if you were using a lot of priors on chris archer maybe after three or four starts you should be like hey this guy isn't the same why is that but again if i'm winning <laughs> like we can't show this to Cincinnati fans. You were everybody's darling. Um, and, and continuing on like the micro theme and the adjustments and stuff, I want to go back to, you know, you spoke about a group or two, and I don't know how well connected you are to this group or two, if you've talked to them or if you have indications or ideas or theories as to why, but you know, it makes me think of like the people waiting for the goalie news in the NHL or, you know, the, the NFL is a lot different. You know, it's it's tough with injury stuff, but the, the, it's a, in a daily sport like NBA, NHL, baseball like this. What do you think those people or what what are other people who are doing things similar to that? What are they looking for in lineup stuff? Like, because lineups don't, it's, it's not like, Hey, guess what? Uh, the manager took out all nine guys and he's starting <laughs> nine other guys. You know, usually, you know, there, there are, there are days where it's like, Oh wow. There, I mean, you know, the, there's two or three guys out, you know, that, and maybe that does make a difference. I mean, is it something specific like, Hey, these two guys could get rest today. They're lefties, lefties rake against this opposing starter. If they're going to put in some shittier lefties or some righties, then maybe it's not a bet. Like, is it something real specific like that to the opposing pitcher or, or what, what are they looking at that they absolutely have to wait for lineups? I, I, I can only think of two things in that maybe limiting their outlay, which doesn't make much sense because I, I don't have connections to these people. I just, I, I've heard through other smart people that, hey, these people wait till lineups come out the bat, and that's maybe why you don't see Dylan Bundy getting line movement until 2 p.m. or something like that. Uh, but there are other people, I'm sure, that are smart people that do this that maybe aren't famous you know, money movers or whatever that make money betting baseball, right? There's so many of us out there, especially for baseball. Um, I would assume that there's other people doing that. I, maybe it's just to protect so that they don't get a bad lineup. Maybe it's because they're too lazy to really protect lineups and they don't really trust all their sources to do it each night. I, and, and it doesn't have to be lazy. They could just be so good that they're like, fuck it. 
I don't care, right? Like, why would I spend resources? Yeah, yeah. Teams? Like, each night I go through lineups, right? Like, I, that's every night for the next six months. I will go through lineups oh. and make sure that I scrape lineups. But, like, I, how do I know? You know, how do I know that I trust that source, right? And I have, like, two or three different sources. But you just can't trust because I've been bit so many times where you're like, oh, where did I get this edge? Oh, it's because they misspelled, you know, Gregory Polanco in their data or they changed it to Greg and now my scraper's broken, right? Like, so uh, I have ways to control for oh, that. Like Alexander Norin. Yeah, Alex. <laughs> oh my God, he's Alex everywhere. Does he, like, does he go by anything else? Yeah, I, I don't know. But it's like, you know, I you just don't know. So like, I, I have to go through every team. Um, some teams have catcher-specific uh, things going on, like certain pitcher will only throw to a certain catcher, and that makes a big difference because not only are catchers some catchers really bad hitters. Some are defensive wizards. And there was some big stuff that came out last year about, you know, oh, catchers are way more important on the defensive side than we think. So now that gets – now I will say that smart people have known that for a while, but it's finally come out to be true. And the market was definitely more reactive to catchers last year. So there's – reactive. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I, think so. I think a lot of – I think it it's really hard not to double count. I'll just put it that way without getting like too crazy. Yeah, 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 in yeah, my okay. opinion, it's it's really hard to because they also in part of the catchers coming out, it was like, oh, these pitchers are also friendly to pitch framing or like they yeah, don't right. throw a lot of balls in the dirt or whatever. So it's definitely a two man game. And and having played the sport, and I hate that I'm going to say this because I hear other people say very <laughs> cliche things about golf, and I hear people say very cliche things about baseball and whatever. But having played the sport. I know that there's catchers that just preferred to catch me. And I know that I preferred to throw to certain guys. And sometimes that didn't match, right? Like sometimes it wasn't the same guy. So it can be sort of like a very much a, a relationship thing going on there. Yeah. That, that Dude, the Red Sox had to pull Doug Mirabelli out of retirement or something to catch Wakefield. Cause I mean, obviously yeah, that's I mean, a unique situation that, that, yeah, that's a a knuckleball, but yeah. like nobody else could possibly freaking do it. But on a really mic like that's a, that's a huge like macro level, yeah, right? right. On a, like yeah. super micro level, there might be a catcher that just like, doesn't like the way the fastball comes out of somebody's hand and has a hard time framing it. Like that's a realistic thing that, could happen right and that's a pitch you throw 60 percent of the time 65 percent of the time for some guys so it could be you know something like that going on for certain guys but the way that i look at it and the way that i think the easiest way to look at it is like it has to play out in the data eventually it has to play out in the fact that he's getting hit harder or he's doing better from an exit uh, velocity standpoint or he's getting more ground balls or he's getting more strikeouts like the end of the day the data will play out. And if we use really quick leading indicators that stabilize quickly, we'll know if it's making a difference regardless. Yep. Okay. That all checks out. Come back to double counting. Uh, eventually. Quick question for you. Cause this is similar to what I go through in the, or at least I have over the last handful of years in the NBA um, game one and game 60. They're not the same. I mean, game game, uh, 48 and game 60 are not the same like they, like as the season progresses a lot of things change right and there are kind of cycles and you know there's there are um you know kind of hidden um factors that impact you know how a model will perform um almost certainly like if you you know 
you can kind of get your hands too involved and be a little too uh, hands-on, uh, you know, you know, uh, mucking stuff up, I guess, um, where you're like, okay, well, you know, this isn't working. Let's just, just look at last five games. Right. Or like, you know, like let's, let's really get, you know, aggressive here. And cause, cause this isn't working. Um, you know, and, and it's, I like kind of in exactly your sentiment. I only tend to do it in the NBA when things aren't going well. Like if everything's going swimmingly, like, nope, nope, just just keep keep going. Um, but the minute that things go pear shaped, you know, as I get a little bit, little bit, yeah, got to figure out why. Um, I guess ha- have you gotten to the sense that because there's a seasonality with baseball that's different than the NBA because it's played outdoors for the most part. Um, like, is, are are there aspects to uh, and th- there's other weird stuff too, like call-ups, roster expansion. Uh, you know, it's pretty clear, you know, halfway through the season who is actually competing for playoffs and who's not trade deadline stuff. Like, I, I guess, have you, do you kind of have a system for how you change your macros over the course of a season? Yeah, there's, well, I'll say this to uh, two things. Uh, there's, I don't want to call anyone out because I can't remember if, if it was this person specifically, but a certain dog name, person i think said at one point that uh he, they never had a winning season of baseball in july and i was like kind of perplexed by that but like it's continued to go on and i'm like eventually it doesn't make sense so that's one thing that i was kind of curious and i having not known what goes beyond you know into those bets or whatever i, I don't know but um i've heard people say that like you know July is like death month for baseball. And I, I don't, I can't even think of a reason as to why this is a narrative. Why? So kind of goes into your thought. Um, one thing to speak specifically on that, like course field, right? Like ba- you go to a basketball gym, the hoops are at 10 feet and the court is X long and X Y. Every dimension in baseball is different. Every altitude is different. Every wind direction is different. Uh, a 10 mile hour wind at Wrigley is way more than a 10 mile hour, 10 mile hour wind at Cincinnati or whatever the hell it is, just based on how the air flows. When they put the new Yankee Stadium in, they signed, literal scientists had to figure out that the ball was carrying so far because the old stadium was creating a wind gust around the new stadium. And when they tore the old stadium down, it went away. Right? Like it was the same dimensions. It was the same shape. Why is the ball going further? Oh, there were some. So there are certain situations. Course field, as the summer goes on, and it gets a little more humid there and the ball goes even further. It's very aggressively high towards totals as the year goes on. So there are certain things like that that you have to be aware of that you wouldn't know otherwise, right? Like uh, there are certain things. There is so much stupid micro, not not fully micro, but like I guess you could compare like turf, uh, like, you know, running on turf in the NFL compared to like Soldier's Field when they don't cut it for a week. But for the most part, like the shape of a stadium isn't going to affect how fast a running back goes, you know, whereas like even I remember this with uh, my, you know, my, my home stadium here, Target Field, they said like the balls weren't flying as it, it kind of was a, a pitcher's park t- to start with. They said, oh, once the concrete settles, like be- because of the way concrete cures affects the relative humidity in the general vicinity of the ballpark, they're like, give the concrete time. There's so much concrete here. Like that's going to affect the ball flight eventually. I'm like, that's not real. And like, I read some stuff about it and like, there is, and I remember the Yankees flight thing, you know, there's different batter's eyes and different stadiums. There's different problems in different stadiums at certain times of day. 
you know, certain, obviously, like you said, certain times of year, there is, it feels like this is, it feels like this is the biggest puzzle, but you get the most shots at it because there are 2,500 games. Like it is, it's, you know, it's not, it's much, much more complicated. There's way more things going into it, but you get so many more shots and by so many more shots, the way you don't, you know, you shouldn't think about that as like, I have 2,500 shots to win. It's like, I have 2,500 shots to pass. Like there's so <laughs> many, you know, you don't get like yeah. that. There, there's so much uncertainty. I don't know if XYZ matches up pass. There's got to, you know, there's five to 15 games a night, like all summer long for six goddamn months. Like it's really easy to pass on some of this stuff. And then, you know, look back at it. Like we say with the NFL or any sport that brought the box score autopsies, you already touched on that going back, looking for some context, like, Hey, you know, I was going to bet on this game, different trash cans to bang on. That's true. I'm a lot of you know, like go, going back, you know, like you spoke about going back and like looking at, hey, I think this pitcher is going to struggle today, but X, Y, and Z is going to keep me off it. The pitcher struggles. Go back and look. Did he struggle for the reasons you thought? Sure. Or was it? Or was oh, it just goddamn? You have noise? to do that in the NFL. Like, there's that. Oh yeah, huge yeah. Part of our But it's product. easier. There's fewer games. Yeah, that's right. That's true. And they're easier to watch, right? Like, are yeah. you? Are you guys really and and I? It's not even that I am, but I'm certainly more qualified. But are you two really that qualified to go watch Mitch Keller pitch and figure out why he sucked despite all of the stuff? <laughs> I'm not qualified to do that for the NBA. <laughs> I'm paying well, that every day. There's only there's only one guy I know that has actually sat down and watched every pitch of every inning of an entire. <laughs> end. <laughs> he goes by some bird named human. Yeah, dude, uh, that was R- my that R- was in peace. Sweetie, R- R- P- he sold he his sold Twitter his account. account. Yeah, that yeah. was the great. That, that's a Twitter. <laughs> that's a gambling Twitter Hall of Fame tweet, though. It was. Yeah, it was. That, so, um, <laughs> all right, and you know, we, yeah. we just we just yeah. talked yeah. about like the uh, you know we we keep doing these you know analogies to the other sports we handicap, and you know like like Drew, I'm gonna ask Drew the question first, like baseball or football, offense, defense, special teams. You're yeah. waiting. Your waiting will change throughout the season, and it'll change from season to season. But generally, you know, you have. I mean, what what's your what's a real generalization of how you weight offense versus defense? Let's just throw special teams out. In oh. the regular season, like uh, offense is up weighted three to one over defense. I want to say and passing is up rate up uh, or, yeah, I think I'm three to one offense to defense and two to one passing to, to rushing. But I do have a couple of like flag thresholds. Like if you're yep. especially bad run defense, like you know, oh yeah, it, yeah, it, you still you still yeah. need that's why I said <laughs> right, a yeah. generalization. A couple, you, yeah, you if, still you're, need if you're an outlier bad in a couple of, in, a, in a low weighted category, um, that's I want to know <laughs> because uh, obviously a coach knows and they're going to go attack the hell out of that, and then you're you know you have no chance, right? So yeah, I mean, but but in general, yeah, upweight offense in NFL, upweight offense over yeah. defense, upweight yeah. passing over rushing. And I, I started I started to approach this last week as I'm starting to. Like I looked at all the acronyms for all the stats and figured out which ones were like, what, what, what I just like looking into what I, I knew what a lot of them meant. I know <laughs> what FIP was like FIP has already been passed up by Sierra for a lot of people. But uh, I, I looked at some of these, you know, some of these stats and really dug into like, how are they actually calculated? What do they mean? What kind of context can they provide? And I got through all of the pitching ones and all of the hitting ones and then I found some defensive ones and I asked Frank about them just in a DM 
And you, I mean, you, you can answer how you answered, but basically it got to, in my head now, there is no defense in baseball. Hitting is offense, pitching is defense, and defense is special random. teams. Yeah. Yes. Def- and defense is special teams. Great. Yeah. yeah. Killed it, Drew. Like, I mean, there are, I found some yeah, UZR, DRS, I, um, OA, was it OAA? I found some like defensive stats. You know, you can go player level defensive stats. And yeah. I mean, I kind of asked you about that and you just kind of laughed at me like, nah, don't do that. <laughs> yeah, it's not great i like the defensive stats is probably the the most important and maybe this is information the teams have that we don't but you're almost better off watching than gathering anything from stats in my opinion anyone that knows it has played baseball or even at a high school level could watch a game and be like that guy can play defense and this guy can't play defense uh or this guy looks slow in the field there's there's guys that just have slow game speed that might run really fast right like that, that don't react quick to balls and play um, and you'll pick up on that as the season goes on, but the, the base, the, the defensive stats, I don't want to say they're not worth it. It's just, they take three years to stabilize. Like they're, yeah. they're so hard because you, there are times I played, I, I pitched, I played every position on the field besides catcher pretty much. And I did play some, I did catch some at some point. Uh, I will tell you that there are times that you go three games to the ball coming to you, you know, like there are times where you stand out there for 15 <laughs> and nothing happens in a double header, you know, un- unless you're, I mean, at first base, you get balls thrown at you, but sometimes they don't ever get hit at you or you, you don't have a chance to make play. Sometimes in the outfield, you run around a lot, but you don't have a chance. Right. So that's why it takes so long. And we have these different metrics now and i'm sure a lot of you have seen the Statcast broadcast where they're like oh route efficiency and this and that but like how does it really translate and how predictive is it like oh you sell quick ran a great route there like what <laughs> does it again well we don't really know those answers yet and I, I do think we'll get there one day but um i i, I sort of hypothesized this at, at times with actually talking to some fan graphs guys when when it was a little bit smaller and that when we saw teams like the Giants who didn't look very good on paper and the Royals who weren't good at all on paper. And they were going to the world series so frequently uh, and had great defenders all over the field. It's like, is this the new inefficiency? You know, like what's going on? Why are they so, why do they keep winning other than like good luck? You know, we like, are the teams hitting the ball really hard or is the, the reciprocal effect of that being that they're creating more outs than, than the other teams are doing. And we saw this with the Pirates started the shifting revolution. They started the, the catcher framing revolution. And it, maybe we're undervaluing defense because the, the overall thought in baseball was that the defensive metrics are, are too high. They don't mean that much. You know, we can't really predict them. Uh, but if we could, I, I wonder if the teams are already doing this. Uh, I, I would think that they're not. But it, you uh, wonder if it's just behind, like, because it's yeah. so much more difficult than, like, you know, <clears throat> measuring where a pitch, because a pitch is going in the general direction of the plate every time, and a ball is going to go the opposite direction. You can do a lot with that. Whereas defense, it's almost like, you know, XG in hockey or soccer, like that stuff sucked to begin with. It was the right idea, 
but right. like they didn't they didn't put enough context to it at first like you know they, they weren't really figuring out what the actual chance of that shot going in was like those numbers were just bad from how i understand like soccer people tell me like xg has come a long way there's a lot of companies that do a lot better job with xg because you need to contextualize the shot was you know because a shot on goal is such a shit stat for hockey and soccer it's like you know it, it it slowly slid towards the goalie and he picked it up like that's you know a shot on goal whatever or it's the same right. thing you you know right. you talk about these balls that are getting hit now that they have the stat cast data they're, they're doing the player movement tracking and maybe some of these teams do have some advanced stats that we have no idea about yet but like that's what you, you'd need to get a lot more context to it because you can have a bunch of bunnies hit to you at second base or you take two steps and just do a soft toss to first baseman and it, it you know and way back what we were doing like error rate you know was that was that the original just like yeah. you know yeah. what are you gonna do with that so i think maybe you're where you have my head is like defensive stats are just a couple of years away I, I think they are and i but i've had this feeling for a long time and this is a personal example so it isn't worth a damn but i'll, I'll share it anyway uh <laughs> when i started really just pitching a lot and decided that's what I was going to do in college. They put me at first base so then I could pitch and then play first base. I never had to make a long throw or do anything like that because I generally play outfield. They Our outfielders are getting killed, and I was, went out in the outfield uh, and played right field. And the first game back from, like, probably 15 games and not being in the outfield, there's balls in the gap. I make this diving catch, perfect route, you know, like everything was perfect. And I so rarely dove, you know, and it was just like instinctual dive, got up. And I remember thinking, like, holy shit, I can't believe I caught that ball. Like, that was incredible. Like, that felt so good. I was, like, sliding on the ground, you know, doing the whole thing. And I'm, like, looking back at that, I was, like, if that ball was hit to me 100 times, that was, like, the one time I made it. And I I probably was the only guy on the team that just in that instance, like, just ran, would have run the perfect route and would have dove and caught that ball. And it's, like, I would get so much credit for that, for taking away a double in a stat cast environment in that, I really wouldn't let the variance play out. And that if that ball was hit to me a hundred times, I would have only caught that one time. Right. Mm. Um, and we should you're, probably, you're David about, Tyree. Yeah. Right. Exactly. <laughs> it's like that play will live in infamy for the 15 people that were there. Um, but <laughs> we should probably <laughs> be talking all, about it right now, all, honestly. All yeah. Fans. yeah. They'll probably I, talk about it right now. <laughs> the comments here. I, we should probably talk about. The yeah. Ball I, I, yeah. Uh, that, that's yeah, a great segue. This what, is what um, have you been following the baseball physicists and the general consensus I've gotten is um, all of the big talk about taking about, uh, you know, bringing back the dead ball, which nobody really wanted as far as I can tell you. Um, but all of the talk potentially bullshit. Like the, you know, the studies yeah. that they've done on some of the balls so far, the drag rates are, uh, you know, all over the place. There's randomness in this, I guess. I, I looked at it all and I was like, oh, yeah, this is um, this I is indicative lost. of a company that just has no idea about quality control at all. This is going to be random. Like if they are telling you that it's something like don't trust it, like you're going to have to get it out of the data somehow, some way. Is that your general feel on the baseballs or is, is you have a more nuanced take? No, no, it's the, the MLB's playing, playing complete dumb here. Like Rob Manfred's the worst commissioner in base. They keep, they keep implementing things like the extra innings rule that nobody wants and then not giving us the DH, right? Like, uh, like everyone, I shouldn't say everyone, but like a lot of people agree the DH is like that should 
happen, right? Like this is stupid. Yeah. <laughs> it's after stupid. Watching it, after watching it the last couple of years, like like what are we doing? The pitchers are actually getting worse. You know, like you wouldn't think they'd be getting worse athletes out there, but somehow they're getting worse athletes. Uh, you know, these guys go once you throw a fastball for the first time at you know ninety five miles an hour when you're sixteen years old. They decide for you. You're not allowed to hit. Bars. <laughs> you go from seeing seventy five mile fastballs to you know, 102, and it's like, all right, you should, uh, get back on the baseball. Yeah, you get uh, the fuck out of the cage and yeah, get out there and do some arm yeah. exercise. Like, <laughs> Manfred is the worst commissioner in baseball history, and they just recently had a guy who was openly letting people cheat the game, right? Like, and he, they keep changing the balls. It was it was planned ahead of time, right? Like, they, they knew there was a perfect storm of the analytics revolution of hitting more fly balls and getting a juice ball to increase home runs all at the same time. Like, I, I don't think the MLB planned it like, oh, they're really going to try to fly balls this year. It was the perfect storm, and we saw all of these records, right? We had, like, five people at 50 home runs. Like, you can't tell me that everyone just got better last year, and then the following year, everyone went to shit again. Like, it's not it's not a possible thing. So they're purposely doctoring the ball. What happened last year with all the COVID things going on, they had old balls mixed in. This is, like, 100% yeah. And they had old balls and new balls. There were runs of pitches. There were runs of games where I saw guys giving up home runs that just like, that didn't look like a home run. (laughs) You can honestly see how some outfielders react, right? Like they they kind of stand there for a second and they're like, oh, this is a can of corn. And they just keep drifting and drifting and drifting. The ball goes over the fence. Uh, It's not a quality control problem. It's a league problem. It looks like they're playing a little bit of a happy medium right now where certain launch angles in spring training aren't going out and they're creating more drag. But are they just using the old balls again? Like, yeah. I do think that the MLB is going to step in and say, like, throw all your baseballs out. We're going to use these ones. These are the new ones, whatever. We'll probably get some way too early articles on that after, like, the first week oh, yeah. of games. Say this is how it is because people also forget that it's going to be – you talked about the weather. This is a good circle back. It's 36 degrees here tomorrow, and it's going to snow tonight. And opening day is in New York tomorrow. In the North Pole? What the fuck are you? You know, it's going to be 75 degrees in Minnesota this weekend. Mm, so. so warm weather coming number, your way, number, number one, Number one, suck it, Frank. Number two, <laughs> I, I, I agree. Not only do I agree with what you guys, like what Drew said and what Frank's opinion of the, the preseason balls have been, I, number two, I think it's hilarious if they just did like, hey, let's make like six kind of balls. Let's throw them all in a barrel, mix them all up, and then just hand them out for the preseason. Yeah, it was just like to screw it was with people because that's yeah. what I think that's kind of what happened. Like Probably they just like let's yeah. let's try like six kind of balls. Let's throw them. Yeah. They'll be all over the place. And I agree. Like I think we will see consistency once we get to the regular season because yeah. even Manfred's not that big of a dumb fuck. Like well, they like they, we'll, we'll they end up notably with a in the ball. post in the juice ball season they fucked up. They the balls. Changed in the postseason, yeah. like they had different vintages. Um, two years because they ran out because because they juiced the ball so much that they ran out of damn balls. I guarantee you, they it didn't was, order it enough was balls. Fun though, too, because the Yankees set the all-time record for home runs and did not, and like they didn't even have the record. The Twins had more, like multiple teams broke the all-time they home run record. In the same like they were just <laughs> like. Dinger after day. It was a great year. It was fun. That's happening this year in the NBA. With yeah, I hate it. By the way, <clears throat> I hate it. I'm in the minority. <laughs> I hate it because I'm a pitcher at heart, and I watch guys get pop ups and they go over the fence, and you're like, I didn't even think that was getting over the outfielder's head, and it's a home run. And like, 
in in the way that some of these parks are structured, it's just the Yankee Stadium's one of them. The Reds are one of them. Like where you, for me as a as a better, it it brings in so many issues with we didn't even talk about bullpens, right? Like it brings so many issues with bullpens and that like these guys get pop ups, at, but they're throwing 100 miles per hour, so balls are, tend to come off the bat faster, and they pop them up, and then it goes over the fence. So. I, there probably is a happy medium and I don't hate the idea of like what I read today for the spring training stuff is that launch angles above like 25 degrees are falling out of the air faster, which I, I think is good because it sort of like rewards you for hitting the ball hard, but not too high. I, I don't know. We'll see how the season plays out. And this is, this is one of the moving parts of baseball that has made the last couple of years so hard and that you don't even know what baseball we're playing. Could you imagine if they changed the size of a basketball, Drew? Like, what would no. that be? How about if they change it every game? Like, yeah. we don't know. Yeah. Or the, a foul ball happens and they got to bring out a new basketball and it's smaller. Like, what do you do? You know, like, you can't account for this stuff. It's an old ADA it. ball. This happens in tennis, by the way. Every tennis tournament has oh, its own, tennis, uh, yeah, own agreement with which, uh, which tennis balls they use. Um, and the court is, court is different. So the court speed is, yeah, that, that's a moving part of tennis that if you can handicap, you can actually find an edge. Anyway, let's let's talk some fun stuff. This was extremely informative. It's got me fired up to really dig my hands into the. Uh, you did, the you did good. You didn't think you were going to do good, Frank. Um, what's your what's your what's your favorite way to watch uh, to watch a ball game aside from being there live? Illegal stream. um no i mean do you well do you seek out like a specific broadcaster like um i you if you watch enough nba like some teams you want to if you bet on a certain team you're not going to watch the broadcast with that team's announcers because you know they're trash i'm not going to call anyone out by name uh so you're just like oh i'll watch the I'll yeah. watch the total, you know, the, the, the yeah. court sounds version of this and, and completely, you know, divorce myself from this. But uh, yeah, I mean, you know, do you, do you seek out certain broadcast teams? Do you like watching on your computer? Do you, do you, do you know, what's, what's your go-to move for watching ball? At, at one point I, I probably watched almost a hundred percent of the Pirates games. I don't, I probably watched 12% of them last year. Um, their broadcasters are historically terrible. So anything else that I watch, I, <laughs> think i appreciate more well the funny thing is is that okay this is a long story when i lived in knoxville they got the reds games so for some reason there's there's no other teams down there right like so the reds are about a four, four hours straight north of knoxville cincinnati so they would get the reds games and the braves games and the reds games weren't on every single day but like two-thirds of them maybe and i hated tom brennan so when the when the you know the the stuff came out with him i was like oh, Perfect. That's such uh, a good meme, though. Too. He was like the only one that he was the only one that like I really hated to watch. Everyone else, compared to like the Pirates guys, and are are a lot better. I will say just because the Pirates guys are so old school, and it's like I appreciated them at first, but now that I've gotten, I'm like, man, these guys are just so lost, you know, and, and so lost to the world of uh, uh, this living out there. And there are other are other broadcasters that are quite good. So what I usually do, I'll, I'll typically watch the Pirates game or something and then just play the, I'll, I'll stream the best pitching matchups. I, mm-hmm. I, I try to stay away from watching too much of what I bet on, which counts a little bit counterintuitive. I don't like having a bias. Like I, I don't, I, I, I enjoyed watching like Dylan Bundy and I bet on him. So I, I would watch him, but certain guys that I'm, I'm betting on, or I think that are good that might not be, um, I'll check out a starter too, but I don't like, 
just grinding out every pitch because I also don't want it to interfere in the fact that like, oh, well, my numbers are my numbers and they're good and I should just trust them, you know, so it kind of it kind of screws with me. So I generally find small sample size. It's the worst. Yeah. What about you? I mean, do you do you watch Dodgers games? Do you listen to Dodgers games, Drew? Oh, oh yeah. listen, I, I love a radio call. Oh my oh, god. Yeah. Oh my god. So I am, good. I found so out my Bluetooth like, the Bluetooth channel or yeah. my little Bluetooth thing that we bring outside when we have like bonfires or we're you know working in the garden. Like it just, you know, it's nice because it's real portable. I figured out that I accidentally hit a button and I found I had like AM and FM radio on it. I'm like, oh shit, yeah. Cause I hadn't done that for a while. And you know, yeah. I've been doing it on like my phone, you know, the, the fancy way, like yeah. streaming radio. But I actually went and found because I um, mean, the twins, too, we were blessed for like, I don't know, 40 years. We had Herb Carneal. Like he, I think he started the second year the twins were a team and then like retired like 10 years ago. And the but Dan, Dan, Dan Gladden, if, if you remember Dan Gladden from the early 90s twins team he does a really good job so we, we have a really good radio team on the the treasure island network of channels <laughs> here because we have a casino called treasure island so like i love my hammock and the twins game even if i don't have money on it or give a shit like that's just a, that's the yeah. way that's the right way to do it i i, I feel lot. in in betting it's is this is a this is an old school trick for betting Weirdly, for betting tennis, I, I I bet you it works for baseball too. But the radio broadcast, because they have to describe things in yeah. a way that paints yeah. a picture, you're gonna pick up more than you're gonna pick up from watching the TV broadcast. The TV broadcast has a lot of silence. They got they let the game breathe, you know. And and but but listening to um you know people describe what's happening, you absolutely do pick up nuggets that are sometimes valuable. So I love yeah, it, I love it, a good it, radio it, call. The right guy, the Pirates guys rotate, and they recently got uh, Joe Block, who's great. He's like a new school guy, but his style is very. I've old. heard of Joe Buck before. Joe Block, yeah, he's great. Oh, Joe Block, oh sorry, <laughs> yeah, it's not Joe Block. <laughs> Joe Block. And you need the guy. You need the guy that describes uh, the jerseys, right? Like, the yeah. Dodgers, you know, white, oh, the, the black jersey with the gold trim today. Yeah, like. The, the pinstripes they go all the way down the sea you know they like describe it down to a t just because your imagination right is always better than the real thing like your imagination with a good broadcaster what you're envisioning it's like reading a book almost like it's always better than what you, is actually happening in front of you right like there's there's people spitting on the you know broadcast with seeds all over them and people throwing uh, cups on the ground and like you don't see any of that stuff you just envisioning the game in yeah. front of you is like this beautiful happening thing like you're sitting in the sands and it's it, it it's different than watching it on tv i agree with you it's some sometimes i will just put the broadcast on and i just love listening to the radio guys but the Pirates guys rotate, so there's two guys that are awful, and then there's two guys <laughs> that I try to listen to. I like it. I like it. All right. Well, um, let's wrap it up here. This was extremely informative. Where can people find you on the Twitter sphere? And uh, uh, there it is at Real Frank Frank. Um, really easy. Every time I go try to find you, I type in Frank, and it, it's like you're shadow banned or something because it doesn't come up right away. You gotta type in Real. Frank, Frank. I, I've probably been shadow banned by Twitter because yeah, QAnon. Yeah. No, I, I yeah. they probably go straight to real Frank Banks, which I'm not associated. He's a DJ from Cleveland. <laughs> He's a great <laughs> musician. I would I would offer uh, your services to him. He's great. Uh, but yeah, real Frank Frank. I, I I contribute for EliteSportsBetting.com. We do free videos like this every single day. We're actually 
going to be doing a video every morning for baseball season. It's so Tommy G's fault for sure. <laughs> for sure. I probably am shadow banned. Yeah. I wouldn't I wouldn't yeah. follow me, but like uh, every time I do these videos, you guys you guys want to follow along with me. I'll mostly be uh you know annoying and trolling, but I will probably tweet some useful baseball things as as the year goes on. Cool man. All right. Well March March going out like a lamb. The Miami Heat come back from a just a p- awful first half performance. Uh, they and uh, oh, to start the third quarter, they gave up a 13 0 run to the Indiana Pacers. We need it. We need does it. Does not one. matter. Does we not matter. They get it back. They're going to win by it looks like about seven. That line was one and a half inexplicably. Um, yeah, no this sense. is uh, March, March going out like a lamb. Thank God. Hopefully April is good. <laughs> and just in general for futures. I need yeah. this. One. Oh yeah. Same, 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 same. All right. Well, that'll, uh, that'll do it for us. Frank, thank you so much for your, for your time. Uh, absolutely appreciate it. Love talking baseball with you. We'll try to get you back on later on the season as we get into the meat of, and talk about the, the storylines that are gripping the baseball handicapping community. Because, <laughs> yeah. Surely there'll be some, I, I, I assume. <laughs> we'll do a full ideal. We should do a full ideal gas law episode. <laughs> Why it, does it tenni- matter? Yes. Tenni- yeah. Tennis, tennis and baseball. It's confusing. Yeah, it is. Frank. Confusing. Yeah. Thanks for the time. You've been great. Everybody yep. loved it. Yep. The right. comment section loved you. Best of luck this season. Good karma on you for coming on the deep dive and teaching the people about handicapping baseball. They'll take a lot away from this episode. So that's all the karma you need for a winning season in my book. Um, yep, it was. It was very, very good. Patrick knows. Uh, with that, we'll we'll uh, we'll sign off and uh, we'll catch you guys on Monday. Best of luck in the. Oh, Andy. Stay pooning. Yeah, the uh, we're not. I guess uh, we're gonna go before. The natty, the natty on Monday. Yeah, our normal Masters. broadcast time, if you're listening to this and you do like to follow along live on YouTube or Twitch or whatever, um, our normal broadcast time is kind of right on the ass of the national title game. Not only for you guys, we want to watch that. You know, I'd like to see how the Zags do against Houston. So we'll go a little earlier. We're going to go <laughs> at 6, what is it, 6 Eastern, 3 Pacific? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and we'll yeah, do yeah. a full Masters dive. I talked about it this morning on Brown Bag Bets with J-Maz coming on Talking Masters. Can't wait. All right, best of luck, guys. Nice work. Stay pooning. That was fun, man. I thought it was good. I, like, I'm kind of jacked for baseball. and I. You got any plays tomorrow, Andy? <laughs> no, you don't. You, don't, you can't <laughs> play the first day. You don't play the first thing. You don't play. This is a Patrick P. Sounds like a ratings battle to me. (laughs) Deep dive versus the. (laughs) And if it's Houston, it's going to be a 10 point spread.